Welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Pod series. For those of you who are new to the series, the Pocket Pod series is a series filled with pocket-sized episodes where my sister Rachel and I go through little mini-series of different topics related to medicine. In this episode, we're going to be talking about hospice care in the light of our uh, old president, Jimmy Carter, uh, who just entered hospice care this week. So Rachel, what can you tell us more about Jimmy Carter's status? Yeah, so like you said, uh, Jimmy Carter, he was one of the oldest living U.S. presidents, uh, and he just decided to do some home hospice. Uh, he's 98 years old, so he's he's at a pretty good age. Um, we'll talk a little bit about his medical history that I found. So a while ago, he, he had uh, liver cancer, which he had surgery for, and then he had melanoma, which ended up spreading to his brain. And then recently in 2019, he had taken a fall and he ended up with a subdural hematoma um, and he ended up getting surgery for that. So he's kind of just been in this constant state of recovery. Um, and now I guess he's decided with the support of his family that he wants to transition into home hospice. Yeah, it's interesting that we're seeing this played out so publicly. I feel like the past mm-hmm. dec- decade or so, palliative care and hospice care have become much more prominent in the medical field. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, about how those two are different. Uh, But there's been more emphasis on the end of life care and goals of life as people age. Right. So for hospice, um, it's more of a specialty rather than like a specific, I guess, unit in a hospital, you could say, where patient comfort is kind of prioritized. Um, And then there's also support that's provided to the family. And this means that like, if a patient decides to go into hospice, they don't want any further medical treatment. Um, So comforting the patient and their family really is the priority. Um, And then this could include like, if uh, for hospice, if they want to kind of decrease their pain, you can do some pain management, um, providing emotional support. Maybe some families would like some spiritual support. So anything really that is encompassed in comfort is what's involved. Mm -hmm. And I think on top of the comfort measures that we provide, you also take away some of the inconveniences that modern medical care can provide. So for example, if your family does decide to sort of go down this path, then ultimately what you're saying is um, you're unfortunately going through a terminal illness and you're most likely not going to live in the next six months. Uh, but what that does for you up from is expensive and now at this point unnecessary tests. Um, so like MRIs or repeat CAT scans, as well as other treatments that may have been more toxic to your body, like chemotherapy. And that all contributes to focusing on keeping the patient comfortable and easing the pain for their family through this time. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a little bit there, one of the qualifications for entering hospice. Do you want to talk a little bit more about those qualifications? Yeah. So like I mentioned, a terminal illness where the patient's expected to die within six months is the definition of who qualifies for hospice. Uh, but other, so to get more specific, some of the patients who might qualify are patients with severe COPD, uh, cancer diagnosis, like in this case um, with Jimmy Carter, uh, severe heart failure with um you know, repeat admissions, that doesn't look like it's getting better. Those are probably some of the big ones. There's other neuromuscular disease or neurocognitive diseases like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's diseases that can also leave patients uh, terminally ill. Mm -hmm. 
I know sometimes people can get confused, uh, like the differences between palliative care and hospice care. They're not interchangeable. They're actually pretty different. Um, so do you, let's talk about that a little bit more. We'll start yes. with the qualifications first. So the biggest thing with palliative, so the biggest overlap is that uh, you're focused on reducing unnecessary um, tests and stuff and patient comfort. Um, however, if you're choosing to go with palliative, that doesn't mean you're giving up on treatment options. So patients can still continue to receive therapies that could potentially cure their diseases, and they don't need to be given a terminal status of six months left to live. Um, so that's probably the biggest difference between palliative and hospice. Uh, in terms of the people who make up these teams, those people are pretty similar. So you have physicians who specialize in palliative care. Um, that's a fellowship that you can do after internal medicine. There are also nurses in this department, social work. Um, you can have different forms of religious care, like chaplains. Um, pharmacists can be particularly useful here, where they can sort of eliminate certain medications that maybe the patient isn't quite benefiting from to reduce the um, pill um, how many pills the patient has to take. Um, so there's multiple uh, team members for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like to put it simply or a little more simpler, it's palliative care is kind of improving a patient's quality of life and then hospice is more promoting comfort with the dying process. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, so then the other thing I wanted to talk about was we know that Jimmy Carter is doing his hospice care at home, um, but there are other locations where you can choose to do hospice if that's the route that the patient wants to take. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So depending on how sick the patient is and sort of where this conversation starts to happen, that's probably going to dictate the most uh, where the ultimate endpoint of where the patient could potentially pass. So I remember my intern year having very sick patients who would come to the hospital who maybe had hours to days left to live and were probably too unstable to travel by ambulance. So we ended up providing hospice care within the hospital. Um, but if you have somebody who's more stable or you start this process sooner, there's a possibility to provide these services at a patient's home. So if you have hospice care at home, a lot of times you will have a visiting nurse come see your patient or your family member. Um, and if anything, somebody is available by phone call 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help answer questions or respond emergently for your family member. Uh, in terms of palliative care, they have other uh, outpatient facilities where they focus on palliative measures. That's probably one of the bigger differences. Um, there are some hospice centers as well, um, but those are probably three different places where you can receive care. So either in the hospital, in one of these outpatient clinics, and then your home. Mm -hmm. I know this, talking about this brings up so many memories with our grandparents too. I know for our nanny, our grandma on our mom's side, she was a little too critical to be transferred home. So her hospice was done in the hospital. And then for Papa, our grandpa on our mom's side and Dadi, our grandma on our dad's side, they were able to have home hospice, <clears throat> which was a little bit more comfortable for them and the family. Um, and being able to say our goodbyes, it was just a, it, it felt like a safer space to be able to do that. Absolutely. I think a lot of family members do much better when they're able to spend these last moments of life in the comfort of their own home. I know hospitals can be very 
terrifying and a stressful place for family members, especially if you're not used to being within a hospital. I think you and I probably take for granted what it's like being in a hospital when you work there all the time. And it's, you just think of it as your place of work. But for people who mm-hmm. don't normally go into a hospital, there's certain things about that building and infrastructure that can add a lot of anxiety to that situation. Um, plus you eliminate um seeing people around you who don't necessarily reflect the same attitude you have in that setting. So let's say, for example, you're with a family member in their hospital room and you just hear sort of giggling or laughter outside of your hospital room. And I think some people, family members struggle with that because they're in this emotionally hard place and they're hearing, you know, humor or laughter outside their hospital room. I think that can cause some internal conflict. So to reduce some of those external factors, being in the comfort of your own home, being able to allow family members to visit without any guest visitation um, policies hindering that. I think, you know, people do really well and research has shown that patients and families who elect to use hospice care feel like they had a better end of life experience with their family member than if they had not chosen to use it. Yeah, those are really good points. I, I guess I haven't really realized how numb I've gotten to the hospital environment and hearing all the noises around me. So it's important to be aware of where you are and how others may be feeling in that setting. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, this is a topic um, that definitely is very close to me, uh, just in my future career going into the ICU, because a lot, a good portion of patients who enter the ICU probably won't leave the ICU. And ultimately, I'll have to have these conversations with family members to say your patient, your um, your family member has a terminal illness, and I think we should start talking about end of end of life goals and goals of care. Ideally, family members, and hopefully, if you're hearing this for the first time, this sparks something within your family. But hopefully, family members talk about these situations before you get there. That can reduce a lot of stress and anxiety amongst siblings and amongst just your whole family. And hopefully you're not in a situation where you're deciding these um, care, like deciding what the care is for somebody who's not mentally able to consent to that stuff, because that's never a comfortable feeling to be in. Um, So it's never a bad idea to start these conversations early. Yes. All right. I think that wraps up our little pocket pod for today. What did you take out of this episode? Um, So what I took out of this episode is that this country and medicine in this country is definitely shifting towards more of a focus on end of care, uh, end of of life care. And I think that's very valuable and hopefully very useful in my future career. How about you? What did you take out of this? Oh, goodness. Uh, We hit on a lot of great topics. I mean, we started with Jimmy Carter and we made it all the way down to... uh, talk like bring up the conversation with the patients about uh turning to hospice care so i think it's really important to uh kind of be able to understand what patients and their families are going through um helping them make informed decisions is the best way to go about it so um, not making any decisions for them making sure they have all the information they need and can comfortably choose to go into hospice if that's what they want and that's all really important awesome 
And for any physicians who are listening to this and nurses too, these laws and regulations in terms of end of care, end of life care, uh, vary state to state in terms of who the healthcare proxy is and who can make decisions for incapacitated individuals. Um, so I encourage you to just study up on your local policies and your state policies to better be able to take care of your patients. And with that, I think we'll call it. Awesome. I'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for a great combo, Ray. Yep. Bye. Bye.